0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Feed A's podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I'm your host and I'm here with talent on loan from Rush. One uh, of the biggest challenges we have is in educating our children and not just educating them but educating them on the right things and it is really, really important, but it's also tough. I got kids. I don't know how to always communicate with them uh, on these issues, uh, especially since they're Hearing and influenced by so many things in our society, uh, my guest today is—I'm uh, really excited—is Connor Boyack. Connor is is an author. He's a speaker. He's a—he is the founder and president of Libertas Institute, and he's also the author of the famous Tuttle Twins books. And he's here to uh, talk about all that he's doing. And uh, thanks so much, Connor, for being on. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me, Jerry. I appreciate being here to chat with you.
0: Absolutely, thanks so much, Connor. I appreciate it. So let's actually start. I, I'm I'm real curious about your background, and and I'm hoping that uh, you know my listeners are going to want to you know read your books and and connect with you, and we'll talk about how to connect at the end. But tell me about your background. How did you get involved in uh, in, in the Libertas Institute, and and really even even deeper than that? You're your beliefs that you have and you're, you're trying to
1: promote? Well, I was raised in a fairly conservative, you know, Republican type household. My mom was on city council. She was always involved. So I had kind of that example growing up, but we didn't really talk politics that much. I, you know, it was never really overt. It was just kind of there. And, um, as I got older, my grandpa was a big influence in my life. He would feed me like articles and talks and books and things like that. And so I started to learn a lot about like economics and history that I always did poorly at in school, like really poorly. I hated those subjects. The teachers never really explained the context and why this stuff mattered. It was just like memorize all this crap for the test. And so my grandpa was a big influence in helping me see like bigger picture stuff. And but but really, kind of the catalyst for me in, you know, I was a web developer. I was I was I was in marketing. I just built websites, and so uh, transitioning my whole life to like go start a nonprofit and write all these books was uh, an event. In I believe it was 2007, when law enforcement in Texas raided a compound called Yearning for Zion. This was a kind of polygamist compound Warren Jeffs uh and the FLDS church and and I'm I'm you know newly married watching the news unfold with my wife and everyone was like yeah go get that scum guy he was you know doing shady things and stuff right but i was horrified by what happened because over 400 children were taken from their families and put into the foster care system um and uh temporarily but for some period of time and the foster care system is full of drug abuse and sex abuse and all kinds of problems they were legally kidnapping all these kids out of this like other concern for this one guy over here and i was just horrified i didn't know what to do i i had never like done anything before but uh since i had a little bit of a tech you know background i i created this online petition this was 15 years ago before these things were really a, a, much of a thing Uh, got like a thousand signatures within a day. Uh, I got my first TV news interview uh, because they were kind of covering what had happened. I start getting email or or letters from congressmen and like, for you know, I didn't change anything. I ultimately, you know, didn't really do much other than shine a spotlight on it. But all these people were grateful to me for standing up and speaking out for the little guy that was very easy to ignore, you know, like these people are weird, they're crazy or, you know, whatever. But like the fact that I stood up and applied my talents toward trying to make a difference um, was very gratifying. And that was like the first taste for me of, well, wait a minute, I get way more satisfaction out of trying to help people and do some good in the world than just building random websites for random companies. And so it took me a few years to figure out how to do it. But that's ultimately the, the catalyst of what sent me on this path towards, you know, starting Libertas Institute in 2011. Uh, now we operate all over the country. We've got dozens of folks on our team. We've sold four and a half million books now. Just really trying to like educate people and change laws and create a freer society. But it all for me stemmed from that one incident where. I saw a problem and decided to try and do something about it.
0: Yeah, great. So tell me about the uh, and and my listeners about the Tuttle Twins books. Uh, there, it's a children's books. These are children's books, and and you are relaying a message uh, to them that, as I said in the beginning, you know, sometimes it's hard to really communicate the the you know free market, the freedom, the liberty type of principles to little kids economic principles, right? How do you explain economics to them? So, you know, explain uh, to us about these books, what people can find from them and um, how their kids can benefit.
1: So the Tuttle Twins is a series of children's books that makes the ideas of freedom accessible to the rising generation. So they're fun little storybooks that just uh, where the, the twins, the Tuttle Twins Go through these adventures and experiences where they get introduced to these real world ideas about entrepreneurship, or why do things cost more today? What is inflation? Or how does education work? How do we really learn? Or why is individual choice so important? How do markets work and, and the economy and how am I a part of it? And so all these very real world relevant concepts that we might think the schools will teach, but they don't. And if they do, they often teach quite opposite ideas, and so the Tuttle Twins is designed to empower parents who care about the ideas of freedom and human flourishing and a, you know, a free society to say like, just read some fun stories with your kids, and then at the end we got some discussion questions to spark some conversation, and that's ultimately what we're at, we're uh, what we're after. We want parents and kids talking about ideas that matter. Um, our podcast, for example, is called "The Way the World Works," and. Every episode is just 15 minutes long because the idea is, you know, mom's in the car with kids, driving them to school or running errands with them. So let's just spark a tiny little conversation. Let's plant a little seed. We're really trying to help parents and kids connect about, you know, not not getting past the what did you do today? I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, no, let's move past that and get into this very kind of Socratic discussion about like, what do you think? And argue this side. Now argue the other side. And what would you do in this circumstance? And so the Tuttle Twins really just sparks conversations about ideas that matter. Uh, we've sold millions of books. We have a cartoon now. Uh, we we translate them in like a dozen languages. We've got curriculum. We have a card game, just really trying to produce a lot of content so that families with kids of all ages um have material that they can use to have conversations that matter
0: well it sounds like uh, these these types of topics are things that i think many of us adults can benefit from there's a lot of people out there that that don't understand some of the basic aspects of freedom liberty the the economy in 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 the like i mean because of course we all know that the reason there's inflation is because Uh, because of Ukraine right that's the only reason why and so it's that simple it's that simple so uh, but I do yeah it's great that you are encouraging in these in these books and in your podcast uh, critical thinking and that is I think really what's missing Um, so when parents are dealing with this you know what is is the hard part communicating to children or is it is the hard part having to deal with what they're learning in school it is, or is it both?
1: That's an interesting question. So our audience is split right down the middle. Half of them are homeschoolers. Half of them are in public or charter or private school. And, you know, the homeschoolers gravitate to the Tuttle Twins because for them it's curriculum. It's like, oh, this is how I'm going to talk to my kids about American history or about economics and, and so forth. And we have, you know, activity workbooks and various curriculum that, that they can use. But for the, the parents whose kids are in school, they see this as a, a supplement because they know that their kids aren't learning this stuff in school and they want their kids to be well-rounded. They want their kids to understand like truth and <laughs> things that actually matter, not a lot of the garbage that's taught in schools. And so for those parents, it's it's like a counter agent almost like, let me inoculate you against all the crazy stuff you're going to go hear from, you know, TikTok and teachers and things like that. So kind of different use cases, depending on where the kids are going. And, and the other aspect of your question I found interesting was, you know, a lot of it is on the parents where a lot of parents feel ill-equipped to teach this stuff to their kids. Uh, They, they feel inadequate. They, I didn't learn economics. I didn't learn, you know, I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how money works. Um, And so they don't talk to their kids. And consequently, the kids, I mean, it's like not talking to your kids about the birds and the bees and letting them go learn it on, you know. TikTok or YouTube or whatever, like they're going to learn like gutter stuff. Right. And if you care about framing things the right way and teaching age appropriate things and empowering your kids with sound information in a, in an appropriate way, you have to be intentional about that. And so our, our pitch, our plea to parents is that the same thing applies to politics and economics. If you don't talk to your kids about it, they will learn the gutter trash from other places and turn into social justice warriors. And you'll wonder, where did I go wrong? And it's because you didn't talk to your kids. And so fundamentally, the Tuttle Twins is, think of it like a Rosetta Stone, right? We are translating these big ideas into a different simplified language so that not only the kids can understand, but oftentimes their parents who again, never really learned this stuff. So by bringing it down into a simple, fun level, mom or dad can just read a book with the kids. Now they're on the same page they're on the same wavelength. They can have conversations about a shared learning experience, and uh, and it just really enriches things more than just you know a kid in class learning one of these ideas, coming home, and mom or dad has no clue what they learned and doesn't understand it themselves, so that conversation isn't taking place. We're focused on family learning experiences, read these books together, have conversations together. Um, and so that that's why whether you homeschool or your kids are in public school or whatever, the Tuttle Twins is for you in your home, either to support you as curriculum or to be a supplement for the stuff your kids aren't learning.
0: Yeah, that's really great. So it, it, you talked about homeschooling a uh, a couple, a number of different times, and I and I believe you homeschool your kids. Is that correct? Is that what I saw?
1: We have for a decade until very recently, we just put them in a private school for their first time.
0: Okay, excellent. So, obviously, uh, homeschooling has, it. what I have heard, I don't know if I've seen the specific statistics, so I could be wrong, but it has increased dramatically. And I think maybe, I mean, you could answer this if you know the answer, maybe due to COVID and all that uh, people discovered about what their kids. We're learning certainly what we now know about the books that are in the libraries and recommended reading in the libraries in uh, elementary school, and all the nonsense that's going on um, is. So maybe backing up, what is the reason for the dramatic increase in homeschooling?
1: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of fence sitters who were shaken into action by covid uh so many so homeschooling basically tripled in the united states as a result of covid uh, not just the initial period where everyone was homeschooling for you know a couple of weeks but like in a sustainable post-covid world so much more homeschooling now and as we've done surveys because these are our people in a lot of cases and so we, we're connected to a lot of them as we've done our own surveys it re- for them it really boils down to the fact that they had concerns before But they kind of tolerated it because, well, it's what we've always done and it's what I did. You know, I went to public school. And so while many of these parents had longstanding concerns kind of bubbling underneath the surface, it wasn't until COVID like smacked these parents in the face to say like, hey, time to take action. And so they finally felt motivated. They felt like they had experimented with it a little bit when the school shut down many families were like, oh, we can do this. We can make it work. Dad can work remotely or mom has a flexible schedule or, you know, or we're in a homeschool co-op with other families that kind of makes it easier and we share the load. And so the experimentation uh, also really helped it, get, it was a confidence boost. It's very daunting for mom or dad to just pull their kids out of school. That feels like a big load a weight on your shoulders immediately. So it was actually a really Kind of big silver lining where all these parents could dip their toe in the water for a couple of weeks and figure out what that might look like. And a lot of those families decided to continue as a result. Certainly it was, you know, the Zoom schooling, the transparency into what a lot of teachers were teaching, parents like seeing, like, wait a minute, you're trying to teach my kids that. We've seen school board protests all over the country emerging as a result of, you know, books in libraries or, uh, curriculum content. So certainly there's a variety of factors, but uh, from our perspective, the the primary one is that there are a diverse number of concerns that parents have had for a long time and uh, COVID was really just kind of the uh, catalyst for them to finally decide to take action upon those prevailing and existing concerns.
0: Yeah. And it, seem, it seems like, uh, again, since COVID, it's almost gotten worse you know it's not as though the educators the school boards the teachers said "Uh uh-oh they're on to us let's back away it seems as like this is anecdotally I don't know it seems like it got worse because you're having drag queen shows in elementary schools and and all this craziness they they didn't they didn't try to hide it or back away do you think when it comes to educators because I'm thinking about my own education and I will I will say that you know, look, I didn't learn a lot in school, I'll be honest. And mostly that's me, right? I, I didn't pay attention. I wasn't the best of students. I got bored easily. Um, um even in college, I, I and beyond, I I struggled, you know, focusing and paying attention. I feel like I've learned way more after, and I've learned more by reading on my own, reading books, listening to people like Thomas Sowell, who's a, you know who's a big influence on me from an economic standpoint, and, and other things. Um, so these teachers that are teaching in our schools, do you think that they just simply have the information wrong, specifically on history and economics, or are they perpetuating a known lie?
1: So that's a great question. Yeah. Um, and maybe let's get to it in a minute, but I want to answer something else briefly because you touched on something that I relate to deeply. Um, and that is, you know, s- school kind of failed me. I I struggled with it exactly as you just articulated. And my own education came after college, um, self-education and passion and curiosity about learning. Uh, but but I want to take issue with-, with something you said. You said, that's on me. Um, and I don't think, I mean, Certainly, in part, but I think in very small part, because I think the system did a massive disservice to you and to me by its very nature and structure. And this certainly relates to your question about if teachers are kind of you know in on it or part of the problem. Um, I was speaking to a parents group a few months ago, and at the end, a, a mom you know raised her hand during the Q and A portion and proceeded to unload on all of the problems from her perspective the you know sex ed and the social emotional learning and the critical race theory and all the things she said I just feel like schools are broken and and I kind of took issue with that and I respectfully told her I you know I disagree with you if you go look at the early architects of the system it's working today just as they designed when you look at Horace Mann and John Dewey and a lot of these like progressive socialist collectivist, Atheist type people. They were not trying to create well-rounded, critically thinking, independent individuals. They c- wanted quite the opposite. They adopted the Prussian model of education, which was top-down, authoritarian, regimented, structured, linear, conveyor belt. Everyone learns the same way at the same time in the same way, right? And so that is the system that they created. They wanted to subordinate the individual to the collective. They, they. John Dewey literally has this quote where he calls Teachers, prophets of the one true God. This guy was not a Christian. He he was an atheist. He was a Fabian, utopian socialist atheist. Uh, for him, the one true God was government. It was the collective. Teachers being prophets of that one true God were basically ambassadors of collectivism. And so, to this woman in the Q and A, I said, "I disagree with you. I, I don't think schools are broken. I think what we're seeing today is an outgrowth of the foundations that were cemented in place a century ago, and the people who architected those." I think of John Taylor Gatto. he's a 30-year teacher in New York, awarded New York State Teacher of the Year, New York City Teacher of the Year. You know, Here he was working within the system, trying to improve it, trying to help these kids. Uh, and it got to the point where 30 years into his profession, he quit. He wrote a, an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal titled, I Quit, I Think, in which he goes on to say, if anyone knows of a profession where I can help kids without also hurting them, please let me know he quits his profession he starts writing books you know speaking across the country and uh and that was the end of his public speaking career i don't think that good teachers can reform the system i think its foundations are very solid and fixed i think only external competition from school choice and things like that is going to really fix a lot of the problems. And that's not to say the teachers are in on it to, to your question more precisely. I don't think the teachers sign up to indoctrinate kids and to breed them into collectivist, you know, dystopian uh, groups of people. I think there are many well-meaning people just like this guy, Gatto, who for 30 years tried, but you're, you're going to kick against the pricks. You're going to fail. You're you're not going to be able to innovate and, and uh, deviate enough, in the classroom to avoid all the negative aspects of schooling that for kids like you and me prevented us or inhibited our curiosity or suppressed our ability to color outside the lines and pursue things that we were curious about and wanting to focus on instead of having to memorize all the crap that was going to be on the test. So I don't think it was on you. I don't think it's on me that we struggled in the school. I think it's the system itself. I think it's the architects who created it. I think it's the people today, the teachers, unions, and others who resist the competition against that system that would help improve it because they benefit from the status quo. I think all of those are problems. And it's kids like you and I, who decades later, discover our curiosity and our passion for learning I wonder about myself all the time and maybe you do as well where might I be today if I didn't have to you know wade through all that muck if I didn't have to discover learning and curiosity post college if I could have done that you know 15 years earlier how much further how much more impact could I have had today? I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for all the kids out there. I don't want them to suffer through just like we did. And then later on, they can rediscover learning. I want to fix the system. And part of that means just helping people flee that system because I I think it's a public fool system. I, I think it's training um, uh, kids into mediocrity, into collectivism. And I think if we care about freedom, that means we have to take he- uh, head on the very institution that is producing our ideological opposition. And that is the government school system. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everything you said was, was so true. Really, really well put. Um, Again, it articulates uh, what I felt, uh, you know, we have tons of experience with excellent, excellent teachers. I agree. There's so many that absolutely mean well and want to make a difference and do make a difference as best they can. But the system does get in the way. uh, Unfortunately, um, lack of competition. Basically what we're, what you have is, is a, you know, an, an example of what a non-free market system produces, right? If we behave the same way in education, uh, the same way in say, uh, you know, hotels or restaurants as we do with education, limited or, you know, virtually no competition, no accountability for those working there, right? Teachers, it's imp- virtually impossible to fire them no changing of the status quo letting anyone be original fight for 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 the business you're going to have a disaster in hotels and we and and this is exactly what we have in education uh although there are still some very good schools and teachers and so on um it is uh it's a real frustration uh, for sure, because kids, you know, kids, what are they going to do, right? They can't get out. They can't say, yeah, I'm going to go to another school or <laughs> do something different. Right. They're stuck. They're stuck. Um, so, yeah, so it is the solution, you know, outside of, you know, homeschooling and things like that, what, what can parents do? I mean, we do see a lot of parents going to the school boards and speaking out. Um, what, what do you rec- recommend parents do?
1: Well, I think any parent who cares about freedom and you know the their child's soul <laughs> needs to find whatever way they can to get their kids out of government schools. I mean, that's just the truth. Um, you can make it work if that's not an option for you for some reason. You know, you got to be super intentional. You got to be super diligent. You got to be super involved. Uh, you got to go fight for your kid. You got to push back against the system. It's it's hard, and you'll mostly lose, but win some battles. Um, I, I think exit the exit door is is salvation for families. I think whether that's homeschooling, a co-op, you know, a private school, a micro school, you know, a tutor, whatever, you know, like there's so many options. Many states right now are passing education savings accounts and, you know, things where you can take the taxpayer dollars and and, you know, instead of your kid going to the public school, you can send them to a different school instead. I think the future is very bright with online learning and and You know, gamified education and lots of micro schools opening up and act in academies and others. Uh, I think the future is very bright for a decentralized education with diverse options where you can find what fits best for your kid and your family budget and your location. And um, so I'm actually very excited. I'm very optimistic for the future. I think the teachers' unions' days are are numbered, I think uh, government schools are, are on the decline. Um, I think the word is out that you know you're not a weirdo anymore if you homeschool. <laughs> that that it is possible for parents to juggle you know work and alternative education for their kids, um, and that they need it. It's in their best interest. We can't use the convenience of government schools as free babysitting, free quote unquote. Like if we care about our kids' long term futures, we owe it to them to find a superior option and sacrifice because it will be a sacrifice. But um, I just think that. The, the problems are too significant today, especially compared to even just 10, 20 years ago in, in public schools. Um, and so I, I think right now parents need to look for the exits and find something better for their families. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. So uh, really, really great stuff. Really Right on 100%. Uh, that's why I was interested in having you on because I knew this was uh, right up my alley. So, if you could share with everybody how they can connect, how they can get your books, uh, uh, I'm sure there's all sorts of ways how they can follow you on social media. I have your uh, the w- one website scrolling at the bottom for those that are watching on video. Uh, but just to yeah, explain where people can get your stuff and connect.
1: Thanks, Jerry. So the Tuttle Twins books are all at tuttletwins.com. We have a deal running there where you get free activity workbooks and a discount. So uh, you just head to tuttletwins.com and see what we have there. We're all over social media. So you just search Tuttle Twins and we share some fun, spicy memes and and other content. So uh, follow us on social media. Uh, Libertas.org that's scrolling there on the video is our think tank. Um, And so if you're curious about what we do in terms of changing laws and, and so forth, you can look there. Um, And then for me, I'm super easy to find all over social media. You just search Connor Boyack or ConnorBoyack.com, and um, you can find me there. But uh, just would encourage anyone with, you know, kids, grandkids, niece, nephews, especially heading into Christmas, Black Friday and all the rest. uh, Pick up some Tuttle Twins books. We got toddler books. We got books for teens. Uh, you know, every age in between. And so there's a lot of great options to really spark some amazing conversations in your family.
0: Yes. It's a great, great gift option. I know uh, for Christmas, cause it's tough to, to buy for kids these days, cause that all they want is electronics. And uh, you know, at some point they have everything that they could possibly have in that regards and no more that they need. Right. So this is really great. And yeah, I, I've actually followed you a lot uh Tuttle Twins a lot on Facebook so if you're someone who's on Facebook definitely connect and follow on Facebook and you'll see a lot of really great posts and uh, stuff that'll keep you up to date and informed so uh, Connor Boyack uh, thanks so much this is really great thanks for all that you're doing Uh, what you do is extremely important and extremely necessary so thanks so much for being here Thank you, Jerry. I
1: appreciate it. Yeah, my
0: pleasure. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Fedays podcast with Connor Boyack. Uh, please check me out on all the different podcast apps on YouTube. Well, I keep saying that. I'm, I'm banned from YouTube. So on Rumble, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on writeamericanmedia.com. So thank you all again for listening, and we'll see you next time.